to listen to the Left Traffic Podcast. What is up, Left Traffic Nation? Welcome to episode 258 of the Lap Traffic Podcast. I am your host, the Professor Brandon Crowd. Hope you guys are all doing well. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'm doing great because I'm on vacation and uh, am recording this in third person because I know I'm going to be doing great when the time this thing drops. So uh, I'm excited to bring you guys a best of show tonight. Uh, But before I do, make sure you go roast the competition. Be the first to the finish line with Five Lakes Angry Brew. Angry Brew is a massively caffeinated, amazing tasting, high octane power pack fuel to get you to the finish line all day every day when you need a power up reach for angry brew coffee with a punch and use code lapped l-a-p-p-e-d get 10 percent off at checkout yes all that good stuff uh hope you guys enjoyed last week's show with dustin albino from jayski.com had a great time talking uh about some some xfinity racing playoff racing all that good stuff with him last week and um Let's see what else is going on, man. Uh, some new things, right? We got a new schedule to talk about, uh, some big changes, and can't wait to do that with you guys in a couple weeks uh, once uh, I'm back and and ready to hop behind the saddle. Uh, that said, like I said, it's going to be a bonus show, or not a bonus. I wish it was a bonus show, a best of show tonight. Got a couple interviews to drop in for you guys. Let's kick things off uh, a while back, a couple shows ago. Matt Tift joined, and it had been a minute since we talked to Matt. And since Matt's an Ohio State fan, Ohio State recently lost, you know, I figured, hey, let's get Matt in the mix. So here's a recap of Matt Tiff's interview back on episode 237. All right, Lap Traffic Nation joining me on the line, making his sixth appearance on the Lap Traffic Podcast. He's raced in all three national touring series for NASCAR. He is now a NASCAR Cup owner. He's a big fan of the school down south. Welcome back to the Lap Traffic Podcast. Matt Tiff, what's going on, brother? I think you've had me on too many times. It's probably a mistake on your guys' end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, let's check this out. So you were last on on uh, Season 3, Episode 147. Tonight is Season 5, Episode 237. So um, we can't let another 100 shows go by before you're back on. No, I, I agree with that. And I'm, uh, I'm probably a big reason you had another 100 shows go by is that you didn't have to interview me in there. It's probably kept the ratings up by not having me on. So nice. that's probably smart planning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, a lot's gone on over the last hundred shows with you. So let, let's start with the health side of things. Uh, because when you had to make the announcement that you weren't going to be able to drive, I was like, this can't be the last we're going to hear from Matt Tiff. So how are you feeling? How's all the, how's the health side and all that of, of things going? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing great, luckily. Um, I'm sitting here two weeks away from being able to, to drive, so uh, fingers crossed here, um, you know, six months free of, uh, of seizures to, awesome. to get back into a streetcar, which is uh, the first time since uh, Martinsville in uh, 2019. So that's, that's kind of crazy to think about in itself um, for driving a streetcar. Yeah. Um, so, you know, things have been really good. Um, things have taken a, a turn for the better there, and hopefully it stays the same. Um, you know, it, it's a battle. You, uh, you fight with treatments and lifestyle and stuff like that that you got to figure out. And um, I've had to do a lot of learning um, in that. So, you know, one big part for me was coming out with the um, diagnosis, and people knew I had the seizure and stuff like that before. But um, really opening up and saying um, that I had epilepsy, it took me – um, you know, I was diagnosed with it in January of 2020 okay. and, um, I did not announce it until January of 21. So it was a long time that it took me to accept it. And then really, um, Thanksgiving ish, like Halloween, um, Thanksgiving ish when we get to 21 or I'm sorry to, um, get to 2020, I started talking about it a little bit more openly with friends and close family and stuff like that, just to kind of say like, yeah, I do have epilepsy. Cause they kept on asking, you know, when are you getting back getting a race car? What sure. are you doing? Um, because at the same time as the team and so all this stuff was coming out and I felt like, Hey, I finally do have an identity back in NASCAR and we can get into that more later if you want. But, sure. um, you know, I think the, when I had that, that little bit of a feeling that I was going to be back into racing, um, I felt like, okay, I can kind of open um, open back up about what has been going on. And I still didn't announce it until January because I was just so scared of announcing it. And I think a lot of people have that too with epilepsy. I mean, um, you look up and down of the 
the celebrities and athletes who have it, um, there's a lot and it's not very much talked about because it's really scary because it is a very terrifying um, disease, but it's also an invisible disease. And so one thing that happens with it is, you know, I'm no different um, than the Matt Tiff that was when I was driving, um, but people people look at you different with that. And so that's a big thing. It's like I'm still myself. You know, I haven't sure. changed. Um, we go to these racetracks, and I put down my notes just like I'm a driver to help out, whether it's BJ or another driver we have in the car. And, like, I'm doing all the same prep work. I'm doing the sponsor work, obviously, um, with the team. But – um, you know, I'm still the same guy, but I just, you know, there's been well, 14 minutes in my life of convulsing that's, uh, that's totally changed my life. So, um, that's a, that's a weird, weird deal, um, with it because you get labeled into it and really it's like, well, I'm still the same guy. And that's, uh, that's, that's one big misconception about epilepsy. It's like, you're not, some people have them every day, but some people like myself are fortunate to not have them as often. So, you know, it's just a, um, it's a life changing deal, but at the same time, I think I want to spread the awareness of, um, what you do to help people. Um, you know, the epilepsy foundation to go, um, see when someone is having a seizure and what to do with them. Um, but then also that we're still people, man. I mean, it's, it's still the same. It's an electrical shortage and outlet that goes out, but it's not, um, you know, it's not like you're talking to a monster at all. Sure. No, God, no, no. Well, listen, man, that is, it, that's a crazy story. And uh, I'm so glad that you're doing better. And, you know, that's crazy. Like, you to put it in perspective, like, you know, this, like, short little blip on the timeline is kind of just throwing things into a whirlwind for you. But, uh, yeah. you know, that that's 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 the crazy thing for me when I hear a story like that. And it, it's awesome that you're you're here with us, uh, you know, physical presence and from the sports side of things as well. And, uh, yeah, no, we're definitely – going to get into that kind of stuff um but before we do uh another stellar season by the Buckeyes making it to national championship game uh I mean Alabama's just in a league all on their own but uh you know you guys are just the kings of the Big Ten I'll say it I'll say it you know we couldn't even play you guys as for, you know I, I still wonder what we're yeah really going y'all on quit. Back there. You, oh. that, was, that was a smart decision <laughs> You know what, though? I will say about that. I am shocked that they kept Harbaugh there. Me I mean, too. I was beyond shocked. I was I was beyond. I'm like, I wanted it to work. I really did. I'm like, all right, here we got a guy coming from that played at Michigan. Success in, in yeah. San Francisco in the NFL. Like It was. How is this not going to work? And it hasn't. And it's just like, at this point, it's it's just mediocrity and you know I, well what's strange about that to me is i understood the first three years or so because you're um you get a lot of prospects you're bringing in people to the school right sure. and um over time you'd think that would be his strong suit is getting people in um scouting talent doing those sorts of things but continually each year they get worse and yeah. that means that you're scouting worse and worse and worse and the guy that had that program um, you know, is kind of responsible for that, in my opinion, because, you know, you want to play with, um, you know, before being Urban Meyer, you want to go play with him, you know, for, for Michigan, um, it's obviously been bad for a while, um, against Ohio state, but I mean, in general, otherwise, it's been bad. <laughs> right. But I mean, but it's still, it's been at least close or they've been a good, uh, big 10 team otherwise. And so that's why it's so weird to me. Um, when you see somebody getting worse and worse and worse each and every year, um, you know, COVID or no COVID before that was still the same trend. Yep. Um, you, you got to scratch your head and go, what are we doing here? And, I'm signing him to a, a massive extension. It's like, yeah, uh, all right, well, I don't get it, but I, whatever. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, like you said, the, <laughs> you know, like that. those first three years were pivotal because it was his name recognition alone was going to bring people in. And now it's like, all right, what are you going to do with all this talent? And not much is the answer to that question. <laughs> God, completely. Yeah, it baffles me. And, yep. and to be honest, though. You know, I've been a Browns fan forever, and, um, you know, you play the Steelers and you get beat up by the Steelers and stuff. And honestly, um, you know, I know for them, um, I've talked to some Steelers fans, and they're like, we, we do want the rivalry. Like, we want it to be like the Ravens and stuff, which obviously is the old Browns. Um, and they want that rivalry back. And so now you kind of have that sneaking back in in, in the NFL with the Browns being better. And, you know, it's fun. But when the, the Buckets just go beat up, like, I want them to win every time. But you want it to be at least entertaining, not right. just a complete blowout every time. <laughs> I hear you. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's let's talk a little NASCAR, Matt. Uh, talk, talk to us about Team Live Fast, how that all came to be, and, and what it's like as a NASCAR team owner now. 
Yeah, you know, it, it all started um, with uh, I hadn't been doing much, um, you know, after the um, being out of the seat and quarantine was just about to start. Um, we didn't know that yet, but right. um, <laughs> so BJ and I, we'd always have a habit of going to um, Buffalo Wild Wings and just hanging out. Normally, we go for Sunday night football. Um, so a lot of people don't realize that. I guess I should start with that. So um, BJ started to write DJ McLeod. Um, he started driver coaching me when I was 12 years old. And so I went to his um, his finish line school um, with Mike Lozier down in, um, in uh, New Smyrna. And so BJ was the main driver coach there. And so he and I got together, and right after that that uh, first school I did, um, we started talking about doing speed weeks in his super late model program down there because he just won the World Series of Asphalt um, in New Smyrna with the super late model team. And so we talked about it, and um, with some you know persuasion, we finally got him to do it because he hadn't really done that before um, very much. So we got together and um, started running some races down there. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize because they're like, where is, you know, Matt Smith and BJ McLeod on, on paper don't look like they should be together. Right. Um, you know, just from myself and him, you know, we look like we're from different worlds. But, uh, you know, he's uh, he's been a huge part of my career and has been a, a big advisor on what I do um, from step to step to step in my career and even in, in my personal life. So, um, you know, we've known each other now for I guess a dozen years. Um, so it's been a long time. Um, and, you know, he's become like a, an older brother to me, but, you know, it was like that in a lot of ways. And now it's just kind of like we're friends who get to own a team um, together. And so it's kind of funny how things have shifted because he's always like a mentor and an older brother. Well, now <laughs> being in the position we are, it's just kind of like we're on the same plane, which is really neat. So, um, you know, he controls a lot of the competition aspects at the team. Um, I do a lot of the sponsorship side and things like that. But, um, you know, he was a, a groomsman in my wedding, which a lot of people don't know either. That's so, awesome. um, yeah, so we've been together for a long time. And so, like I said, we go to Sunday night football, um, at Buffalo Wild Wings up in Mooresville and, um, we just sit down on the, on the patio and get some wings and, um, started talking about like, Hey, we should, uh, we should look at getting it um, a charter and you know we're half-heartedly you know looking right? at this and th this is before now you got to remember this is before charters were the hot thing you know this is when michael jordan and denny hamlin were and you know th that's not even a thought sure. um the whole pandemic was not a big deal the whole george floyd um deal that turned into the you know master stance and the confederate flag and everything and the um, all the stuff with bubba none of this has happened you gotta remember this is before any of this before the whole world changed in about two months um so we're just dreaming up this idea and so we're like yeah that would be cool um you know we get a team together could be you know something to look at for the next you know, um few years to do and um so we, uh, the pandemic happens. I get a call and he says, this is in, so that's probably February and this is in June. And of course we're still hanging out, but I get a call from him and he says, I don't want to say anything, but I think something's happening. And I said, okay. He goes, well, I'll give it a 10% chance. I knew he was talking about the charter. Sure. Um, he's like, I give it a 10% chance of happening, but let's just see where it goes. And so, um, you know, we get down the road and, um, you know, go fast racing, um, is with his partner up with Joe Falk, who we're still, uh, partnered up with on the charter side and the team side there. And, um, so Archie is looking to, um, sell his charter. And I mean, when I tell you there were a million people in that deal, there were a million people. In that deal. <laughs> um, but you know, it just, um, it worked out because Joe wanted to stay in racing and we wanted to partner with somebody that had experience and know-how in the industry and, and knew the executives there. And so um, we just talked with him. And honestly, um, it was just the perfect match there. And when it came down to the end, it was a shark-feeding frenzy between ourselves. Oh, yeah, between ourselves, Justin Marks. Uh, Michael Jordan um, and Denny going together. And, you know, you heard talks about Floyd Mayweather and Colleague and all these people trying to get in. You know, those, the three ones, the three main ones were um, the first ones that listed there. So um, they're trying to buy, they're trying to get in. And we got it. We got the the paperwork in there and we signed it during, you know, late summer and we could not. And so we're watching these things go on. And I'm telling you, we got it by two days later. I don't think we would have gotten this charter. Wow. And um, so we're, we're going on, but here's the deal. 
we can't talk about this. So, um, so we got an NDA. We can't talk about it, which is fine. And so we're not talking about anything. Um, so Michael Jordan, then he come out with 2311 race and the track house comes out and we're just sitting here on a charter on a team and we can't hire people. We can't do this. We can't do that because we can't talk about it. Um, which is completely fine because we knew we had the team and we're just sitting here like, wait till you guys see this. Like, right. wait till yeah, see this shit pretty much. Like, you know, you're, you're waiting for something to drop here. And uh, so it's kind of fun because we're waiting, like, you know, you, you guys are watching all these big people come in and, like, wait for this. And so uh, we got to announce it and um, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, the process of becoming an owner is so different because it's the personnel side. It's the planning side. It's the business side. And I've always loved business. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Uh, my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, you know, all that stuff is so interesting and so fun to me. Like the challenge of building a company, of doing things correctly there, of having a business plan and, and um, you know, looking at one year, two year, five year, 10 year deals, um, 30 years down the road, we want to be here still. And so coming in as the newest owners into NASCAR became um, such a cool challenge because we knew coming into this deal that we were in a weird year, right? Because when we first started talking about it, the next gen car was planned for 2021. Right. Um, again, no pandemic, no weirdness, like nothing going on in the world. So we're planning on that if we're going to do this team. All of a sudden, that goes out the window, right? We got to go buy all the cars um, this year that are going to be obsolete for next year. And then we're going, okay, well, we need to go buy uh, go fastest cars. So we call up Archie and we need some equipment. We need all that stuff. So um, on top of that, you know, still this year, we got to buy the next gen cars and do that stuff. Um, but, you know, we're in this place of, okay, we're not, no, we're not starting um, in a position of 2311 or any of those guys. But we are planning on taking this year by year and building and building and building and building partnerships um, and having that um, the alliance with Stuart Haas Racing where we, you know, we're on the ground level, to be honest with you. But um, it's still, it's a start. It's a start with Ford Motor Company and the next gen car that's coming out. Um, it's a start on everything. But the calculated um, risks that we're taking, the calculated approach of what we do and don't do, it all makes sense because this is a deal to be here 15 to 30 years in the future to where we are able to be here for the long haul. We are committed to NASCAR as long as NASCAR is around and is it smart to be in. And so for that, you know, Live Fast Motorsports was born. And, um, you know, our goal this year was to be able to run uh, around the top 30. And I think our average finish is somewhere around 29th to 30th right now. So we've been there. Um, and, you know, we just came off another top 25 finish at Talladega. And um, you look back at some of our short track runs and, and we've had really good speed. Um, we haven't executed at some places, but, um, you know, we got to do some work in mile and a half, the big track stuff with the 550 package. But, um, you know, things are coming together. The guys are gluing together. Uh, the chemistry is getting better there. And that's what you need for a first-year team is just minimize mistakes, grow and learn. And then when we take on this new challenge of the next-gen car, nobody in this industry knows how to take on this thing exactly. We're all going to be guessing a little sure. bit. Yeah, it's going to be so, almost an even playing field for a short period right. of time. Yeah, exactly. And, and, of course, you're going to have the big teams that will grow and surpass other teams. But, um, but the parity is so much better in there to where we will have a chance now to where you're not having a new – group of uh, people come in together of course you always have turnover that's a, that's a part of any business but um we should have the same core group of people that come back hopefully and you say okay well let's get to work let's go plan out what we do um with this car and then it becomes a deal of all right how do we um you know instead of being 30th how do we become 25th how, how do we become 20th what does our trajectory look like and then that's how you kind of plan out the next few years as this um, as this new car is, um, you know, making its birth in the sport. Absolutely, man. Wow. What a story there is, too, man. So I mean, with having to keep it hush hush for so long, uh, you know, your turnaround to get a full team together from personnel, from crew, you know, guys at the shop. You know, did you get almost a turnkey with, with Hilaire shop and all that? Or, you know, how did that piece once you guys were able to actually get rolling go? Yeah, so I mean, uh, we had to keep it so quiet that, um, you know, luckily BJ had a shop with his Xfinity team. We still share the shop there. So luckily it's a, it's a good space up in Mooresville, uh, big enough to be able to house both teams in there. It's a really nice shop. 
Um, and so we're able to, to house both teams in there for right now. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a tough period because you can't go hire people. Um, we talked to a lot of the go fast guys in there and so we have a, a few guys that came from there. Um, but we have a lot of outside people that came in too. And um, for those who don't know in the racing industry, you'll have a guy in the off season for a couple of weeks and then he'll find a better position somewhere. So there's constant people coming and going and coming and going. You're trying to build cars. Um, you're trying to move stuff out of storage from another race shop to your race shop. Um, at the same time, you're using their fab shops and hanging bodies and stuff. Um, so we're doing all this stuff while we're trying to go sell sponsorship to the first race. And we're sitting there and we're going, oh gosh, we're, you know, do we, um, how much do we need to um, go get to the Daytona 500? And how much, you know, what do we need to do to get to that race? And honestly, um, you know, that was where it's fun with, um, with Dave, our sales guy, Dave Marrero and myself to go and uh, just say, okay, we have to sell X amount to go get to the Daytona 500. We have to do this, have to do that. And um, we did it. We were able to do that. And we calculated everything off of um, off of worst case scenario. Sure. And luckily, we've been able to be um, we've been able to be successful with how that's gone. Um, as far as meeting our goals and exceeding them, actually, um, for sponsorship and for finishes and things like that. But going into a season um, with a brand new team, you just don't know. And that's the biggest thing. Um, so bringing on a, a veteran crew chief like Frankie Kerr in there, um, he's done such a good job of leading the guys, of um, working with uh, you know a, less of a budget than we would all like to work with. Sure. But um, – you know, that's the, that's the fun challenge of a startup in any business, whether it's racing or, um, you know, for, uh, you know, whether you're making clothes or whatever the heck it is, you make things work somehow. And we've been able to do that. And as we grow, we'll be able to expand and be able to, you know, get more funding, which buys speed, you know, money buys speed in the sport. And then it's the people who execute on it. But, um, you know, it's been a, such a cool process of seeing it come from an idea um you know talked about over some wings uh, watching football <laughs> to, uh, to to come to today being um one of the 36 charters um in the cup series and not only just not just being a charter in there because i want to make that very clear we buy all the sets of tires every week we have a steward Haas pit crew um we have full fledged like, we are a full-fledged effort every single week out there and um that's that's the commitment that bj and i have is to be a you know a eventually an RCR or somebody or the Rouse or whoever it may be 10, 15 years down the road. Maybe the next time um, deal uh, speeds that process up, but um, we're here to uh, you know not not just be there, but to be able to, to go and compete, and that's our goal each and every week. No, I love that, man. So let's talk about BJ for a second. You know, this is a guy that, you know, if, if you're a casual fan, uh, the name BJ McLeod may not strike a, a, a bell with, with, with you as a casual fan, uh, but BJ's been around a long time. He's had his Xfinity team. He's had his cup team. You know, he's put drivers out there to get them in front of the camera and in front of sponsors and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, talk about BJ's role with this as, as w with what he brought to the table from doing this with his previous team. Yeah, you know, I think that was that was the key thing for me was BJ, not only our friendship, but um, him being in the Xfinity Series uh, for the last five years. Um, but also past that, you know, he was in the truck series, um, ran uh, K&N series, um, cruise and Arca stuff, um, went back to my days in the late models. And a lot of people forget, too, my, um, mine and his first uh, truck, uh, his first truck owner start, my first truck series start as a driver, um, was at Martinsville together. So kind of weird. My, my career yeah. started <laughs> started and ended at Martinsville and then led to both of us being owners. So. I don't know. Some 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 weird. There's some, know there's some interesting is. things there happening. Yeah, yeah that I, I don't I don't know what what that exactly should be called, but whatever. Yep. I'm not, that's that's too deep to go into here. <laughs> right. uh, but um, you know, he's so um, people, what people don't realize about BJ. You know, they see him and they see this big muscular guy who uh, doesn't fit in with the mold. Um, but what they don't know is, you know, not only on the driver's side but from just being in. Um, lesser uh, fun equipment, but he's won hundreds of races down in Florida in the super late model divisions. Um, you know, he pretty much rewrote the rules of down there when you see 12, 13 year old kids racing um, in late models. The reason that they had to adjust the rules was because of BJ, because he went down there and won everything and was 13 years old. 
and he um, so he was the guy that really changed the landscape of stuff down there. And so a lot of people don't know that. So the history of, of um, stock car racing and short tracks down there really was in large part of how much it changed to now was because of BJ. And so that's really cool. Um, but another part about him is he's so good with people. He's such a good leader. Um, and his, his vision and stuff of how a team should be and really just dealing with adversity um, and making making something happen out of nothing. He's so good at that. He's so good at having the plan of where things go and really just knowing um, what we're supposed to do, um, you know, from a, okay, are we going to go buy um, this spindle because it's a pound lighter or do we just keep it because we know we're only going to pick up one spot and that's going to cost, you know, X amount of dollars to do it. So he's so knowledgeable about that side. Um, that's ridiculous. Um, we are at Martinsville and we had something happen to the um, upper control arm um, on the right front and he called it right away. <laughs> and then he comes inside um, to the garage and we fix it. And we're all just sitting there like, you know, any other driver would be something broke, something broke. BJ's like, nope, this broke, that here's broke. where it is. Here's how to fix it, you know? Um, so he's so knowledgeable at the cars because he has built a car inside and out a million times. Um, so that helps a lot too when it comes to the competition side because he can go with the, um, with the car chief and the crew chief there and look at what they're doing and know um, how you uh, how you adjust things, how you change things in there. And um, really, it's like having another uh, another kind of mechanic overseeing things um, on the payroll, except for he's not on the payroll, which makes it a lot nicer for for us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, listen, man. So, I, you know, and, and this is something I want to I want to hound in on for the listeners. You know, when you talk about your goals as the team, you know, uh, top 30 uh, had a great day at Talladega 25th. That's a great day for you guys brought the car home in one piece like that's that's solid uh looking forward through the rest of 2021 um you know do you have a few tracks circled that you guys are putting in extra effort at places that you know you might have a better chance to maybe get a top 20 top 25 or you guys you know hey this week's kansas we're focused on kansas yeah you know i think if you look at um kind of backtracking there um, we really look at the 750 package as our best shot to shine there because our cars do very well at those racetracks. Um, and that just came from the GoFest uh, team when they bought those third Haas cars. Um, they just did very well with them. We apply our own setups to them. But, um, you know, the, the biggest thing there has been um, when you look at Phoenix, uh, Martinsville, and Richmond, unfortunately, the results don't show the speed that we've had. Um, we've had easily top 25 on average speed at those places throughout the race um, sometimes top 20 we have just not completely executed at those tracks so when you look at the ones coming up of um of going to dover of going to you know the summer race where we go to short tracks and road courses um those are really the tracks that we need to hit on and do a very good job of because that's where we get our top 25s and get our top 20s um obviously the super speedways i think we've finished 24th and 25th now so those are good places for us um so really, it's just um, being able to execute his strategy correctly and do all those things to finish in the top 25 or sneak out the top 20 um, once or twice a year. Uh, but you look at the, the Coke 600 and things like that, where if you can keep things going, have decent speed, you know, you can finish uh, in, that same, in that same category um, if you do things correctly and you execute. So it all comes down to execution. I know I keep on saying that, but it really does. Sure. Um, you realize it more as an owner than you do a driver. But, um, you know, when it comes to the mile and a half tracks, um, we've been a 32nd place car, um, sometimes 33rd. And we need to figure out a way to get to um, 30th or 31st. You know, that's really the top end of our budget of where we should be. And then um, after that, it's hopefully attrition, maybe a little strategy, whatever it is in there that gets us inside to get to the twenties um, in there. So, really, from on a half, it's getting into the you know breaking the twenty eighth, twenty ninth place finish. That's a win for us there. And then for short tracks, um, it should be twenty fifth or better uh, for a win for us. Anything after that is just um, it's gravy at that point. That's awesome. I love it, uh, Matt. Let's wrap it up with this. Tell everybody where they can follow you, the team, the sponsors. Give some plugs, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So um, myself, it's at Matt underscore Tift, T-I-F-F-T. Um, we do a show myself um, every Monday, Tuesday, yes. and oh, Thursday. I can't believe I forgot to ask you about that. Yeah, talk about yeah. that real quick if you if you got a minute. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's been fun. So we do a live show on Twitter um, every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday called Life in the Fast Lane Show um, with myself and my, co- uh, my co-host, Keith Migra. And so that's a lot of fun. It's a one-hour show. So we talk about um, a little bit of racing, but mainly sports, pop culture, um, stuff going on. So it's a it's a fun show because you get to see who I really am. It's more of an unfiltered version of Matt, um, which is you know kind of cool to see different uh, beliefs and things and um, just stuff going on in my takes on. So um, I guess I'm going to um, really look at um, you know, trying to expand on that, but then also, um, what makes it fun is, you know, the, uh, the people I work with there, um, the whole Rickroll video that came out. Oh my God, week. that was great. <laughs> yeah. That, so that was off a dare of the 2000 retweets on it. So I'm a man of my word. I did it. I did it. Um, which was hilarious, extremely uncomfortable, but absolutely hilarious to make. Um, so I had a great time with it. It was fun to step outside my comfort zone with that. But um, anyways, you can find all that great content at, um, at Matt underscore Tift. And then um, same on Instagram, Facebook. And then for the team, um, every social media um, channel is at Team Live Fast. Even though we're Live Fast Motorsports, and it's just easier to type in at Team Live Fast. So yep. we did that. And, um, you know, we've got some really cool partners coming up um, over the summer. We've had some awesome partners this year. Uh, we're really excited um, this weekend. Um, this, uh, as we're recording it, it, has not been announced yet, but it will be tonight, which will be yesterday when this thing comes out. So um, Celsius Energy Drink is going to be on the car um, as a primary sponsor in Kansas for their first ever sponsorship. So really excited about that. Um, I've been drinking their stuff for years and they've been a partner the whole year, but they stepped up to go take the primary spot. So uh, that'll be coming out through the socials all weekend. Uh, It's just fun, man. We've had a lot of fun with different partners, different people. And that's the cool part about being a small team is you really get to work with um, people one-on-one. There's no boards. There's no, you know, different director heads. It's just me. It's just me and them. And then on the competition side, it's BJ and them. Um, and so it's just, it's really cool. It's been really fun. That is so cool, man. Matt, it's been a great story to hear. Uh, it, it, it's great to have you back. Uh, it's great to have people talking about you, to see out there uh, and, and all that good stuff. I am so excited to watch this team and organization grow. Uh, and, and hopefully, like I said at the start, 100 shows don't go by before we catch up again. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and we're talking about your top 20 finishes, man. Um, it, it's, it's awesome. Thank you for being such a big supporter of the show, too, for, from uh, the early beginning here and into season five. So uh, it's been awesome to get to know you over the last couple of years. And like I said, I'm excited as all hell to watch this grow for you guys. Well, I appreciate that. Well, um, you, like I said, it's just been a lot of fun um, going into this role. And I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm sorry about the ratings hit that this will take. And um, <laughs> But no, seriously, congrats on the show and everything you guys have been doing. So it's cool to see something like this going from the end of the season. So congrats to you guys. And I'm excited for you all to uh, keep on doing this for a while and, and uh, keep on getting on. So I'm proud of you guys and happy to be on here with you. Appreciate you so much, man. All right, Lap Traffic Nation, huge thanks to Matt Tift owner live fast for calling in the show matt good luck this weekend the rest of the season and we'll talk to you soon brother stay healthy too all right thank you yep all right there's a recap from matt's interview earlier this year everybody make sure you check out the website the laptrafficpodcast.com follow on twitter at lap traffic pc i know i've been behind on some giveaways after going non-stop with those so uh i'll get some coming out to you guys in the very near future here. Uh, Don't forget if you want a koozie, uh, lap traffic stickers, all that good stuff, all you got to do is go to the website, thelaptrafficpodcast.com fill out the contact page and I will get those out to you. And while I'm gone, yes, I know no lucky dogs or anything like that, but I still am updating fantasy. Uh, So you can check out the website. If you're in the playoffs still, make sure you send me your picks, all that good stuff. So uh, I got one more for you guys. Earlier in the year, Josh Berry was on the show. So uh, that was back on episode 239, Josh Berry. So uh, let's let's uh, relive that one. All right, Lat Traffic Nation joining me on the line. He's driven just about everything under the sun. He's got over 75 late model stock car victories. He's currently the driver of the number eight with JRM in the Xfinity Series. He picked up a win a couple weeks ago at Martinsville and finished P2 this past weekend at Darlington. Welcome to the Lat Traffic Podcast, Josh Berry. Josh, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh... Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, man, for sure. Uh, you know, so there's so many things we could talk about, and and I bet you got stories for a month, uh, you know, so I know we're never going to scratch the surface, but um, listen, first things first, where did you put the clock? 
<laughs> so it actually hasn't made it uh, made it home yet. Um, that was my thankfully my second one uh, that I won at Martinsville. So uh, the the one from the Xfinity race has been at Junior Motorsports for a couple weeks, but uh, we're getting ready to uh, pack it up and and bring it home here probably this week. Nice, very cool. You, I mean, you got a couple spots you think it might go. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a real big house or anything. So I'm gonna uh, still work, still working on that exactly. And I got a, I got a one year old that is um, into absolutely everything right now. Sure. So, so uh, we need to keep it out of, keep it out of her reach a little bit absolutely. too. Absolutely, I get that for sure. Well, listen, man. You know, you've won some track championships at the local levels, late model championships. Uh, you know, for the fans out there that that maybe don't know your backstory all that well, you know, walk us through your 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 career getting started and and you know up until getting running in the Xfinity series. Yeah, so basically, I started racing um, when I was eight years old uh, in go karts. Um, you know, ran those for a number of years. Uh, moved up, ran a like a four cylinder. Um, stock class and then and then actually got a legend car and raced legend cars for about three years that was probably till about um 2009 so by that point i'd been racing about about 10 years and um basically when i was 19 um racing legend cars at the national fairgrounds is actually where i raced at on the quarter mile there and um did i racing a lot uh, still do, still enjoy. Uh, it's a hobby of mine. It's just you know, I racing and online racing over the course of the years, and sure. and uh, built a relationship with Dale Jr. on there a little bit. Um, nothing, you know, I never really thought anything of it, other than that we he just he enjoyed it racing on there, and so did I, and we just kind of became friends, and um, basically that turned into that friendship kind of turned into him uh, offering me an opportunity to, to test his late model stock at uh at motor mile speedway in virginia um they were at a little different spot with their with the late model program at, at jrm and um you know i just was in the right place at the right time i got an opportunity to do a test and the test went well and that turned into a couple races and um you know a couple months later i, I moved to north carolina and, and began working for for jrm and that's been um you know over over 10 or 11 years ago now. So, um, that's crazy. I, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's really a crazy story. Um, uh, thinking back on it now, I've just been very fortunate to, to even, you know, race a stock car, you know, a late model or anything. And, um, like I said, we just kind of worked, um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of people over the years, we've just worked and, uh, kind of built this late model stock program into, into what it is today, which is you know, really one of the best in the, in the Southeast, really in our area. And, you know, we've won a ton of races and championships and, and, uh, you know, last year, a national championship. So that, um, you know, all those things kind of led into this, uh, you know, expanding opportunity this year. Um, I've had a couple of expanding opportunities here and there over the years and, and done some different things and different opportunities here and there, but really this was the first, uh, substantial um you know real shot for me um getting 12 races all consecutively and you know i think it's went pretty well no i mean it's been incredible you know i i want to get to that in just a minute but first just to kind of piggyback off of of what you you had said you know i mean that is an incredible story like you know just i racing with junior and boom you know 10 years later here you are you know running for him and all that kind of stuff that that's so crazy um talk a little bit about you know um you know what it's like to have 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 grown with jrm's uh their late model program and and how that team's developed a little bit over the years since you started working for and and racing with that with with that program yeah so um you know the in, in 2010 was when i moved to north carolina and and really at the time at the late model program, we just had one car and, and, uh, was racing sporadically here or there. And, um, really we just kind of started there with that. And, uh, at the time I were I actually worked at Gina Motorsports in, on the Xfinity team as like, a a, a tear down and, and a parts washer. And I washed the, wash the cars after the races and stuff. So I kind of had, uh, I've kind of done everything 
um, over the course of the year. So this, um, you know, I think that's what's made this year so special. But yeah, the late model program, we just kind of in the early years, you know, we just um, kept uh, kept working and trying to get better. I think you know, me, I was I was young, but not real young, but you know, pretty hands-on with the program. And it just took us a couple of years to really get the, you know, the people in place and, uh, um, you know, get the cars where we needed to. And, you know, really through like in the middle, you know, like I want to say 2014, I think was our first year. We brought in some new help, Ryan Schaefer. He was, uh, he's like a great friend of mine and, and he's been with the program ever since then. He, he come in and we, uh, actually brought in William Byron, um, for a second late model team. And that was his first stock car opportunity. Um, and me and William raced all year at you know, Hickory and, and some other places. And that was really when we kind of turned the corner with our program. I think we started, um, we were able to, to run two, two cars and bring in some more people and, and step our deal up. And that was really kind of the, the beginning of the, the run that, that I've been on in, in the late model car. Um, you know, like I said, we've just been, uh, you know, just racing, racing all over the Southeast. Um, you know, our, it seems like every year our, uh, you know, goals have, have changed and things have changed what we're trying to accomplish with our program, but it's been a great home for me. Um, you know, I really love that racing. I love, love the people and I love, love what I get to do and, and, um, you know, just, just running the short track stuff. Um, sure. you know, I mean, it's been a, it's been a great opportunity for me and, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I've always wanted to move my career up the ladder, but, you know, the reality of it is, is it's just, um, you know, it just takes a lot of funding and different things. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful what, for what I've been doing. Yeah, no, like you said, you know, like just to get the, the first, you know, right place, right time. And it takes a lot of right place, right times and right sponsors, right money, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's so incredibly difficult, but it can happen, which is, which is the cool thing. Um, all right. So 13th start Xfinity series and you pick up the win, man. Talk about Martinsville a little bit, the emotion behind that race, that win and, and how that has really fueled, uh, you know, the midway here through your, uh, stint in the first half of the season. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I, when I went into this opportunity, I had circled Martinsville, um, you know, as a great opportunity for us. Um, I've got a lot of late model experience there and actually I'm still the, um, you know, the reigning defending winner of the big late model stock race there from, from 2019. And, and, uh, so I, you know, I had a little extra confidence. I feel like going to that race, sure. but that's awesome. you know, the, but the, um, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I just know how tough the Xfinity series is and, and it's so difficult to win these races and just to be perfect, you know, you have to have, you have to have a great car and great strategy. Your pit stop's got to be great. Your restart's got to be great. So, I mean, I think going into that, I felt like it was a great opportunity for us, but, you know, by no means said I felt like we were going to, you know, lead the most laps and win the race. I think, um, it was definitely, definitely possible, but, um, you know, we just executed. I think it was a, you know, it, it was obviously a big deal for me personally sure. and, yeah, and, and for where, for my career, what, what we're going to do from here. But, um, you know, that, uh, it, it meant a lot to finally put the, the eight team in victory lane. They'd been, you know, that group had been formed for, um, you know, I believe this is the third year now and had a bunch of different drivers. And, you know, this year is kind of the closest they've been to some normalcy with, you know, only a couple drivers and, um, you know, it just meant a lot to get those guys in victory lane. It was, it was a big deal to win that race. And it just, uh, was just an amazing experience. And like I said, I think we, um, we really, uh, it really built my confidence up a lot. It was a, it was a big weight off my shoulders to win that race. I think, you know, I'm, I'm coming off of a, uh, you know, I, uh, my 2020 season, um, in the late model car, I won, I believe 28 races Wow, in, that's incredible. in, uh, yeah, 28, it was like 28 races out of 40 starts and a national title for the, for the NASCAR advanced auto parts, uh, weekly series. Yeah. And, that's uh, so we're coming off all of this success and I think our expectations are, you know, we're, we're a little high. We felt like that this opportunity was, 
something special could happen. And you know, really through my my first uh, you know five five starts or so, um, we had a lot of like just random events happening. Um, you know, we had uh, really each race we felt like we were fast enough to run. Uh, top 10 if not top five and just just had mistake after mistake and you know heading into martinsville i think like i said i was a little more confident but after the start of the season we had i think you know i just i just knew how tough it would be but we were able to get it done that's so cool man uh you, you almost backed it up this weekend at darlington finished p2 uh i mean from from the tv man it was eventful uh, you know, not maybe as chaotic as the truck race was, but it looked like it was going to start off that way. You know, what'd you see from the driver's seat, man, as, as you worked your way up, uh, throughout the field there and, and all that on, on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a blast, honestly, that, that, uh, that track and the package that the, the NASCAR Xfinity series has right now works so well at a place like that. And, and, uh, you know, we had a really good car. We knew we were kind of in the hole. We had a, had a flat tire at Talladega late and then lost the lap, got the lap back and then it rained. So we, we were, we didn't finish well at Talladega. So, you know, that affects your starting spot for the fall and week. So we just knew we just kind of had to play patient, be patient early on and, and, uh, just, just take it as it went. And, you know, early on, I felt like we had a really good car and, you know, we just, um, worked a little strategy, had some things go away. And then, you know, ultimately I thought we were, um, you know, on pace to finish fourth or fifth, which would have still been a great day. Um, you know, we had a late caution, pit crew nailed it, gained me a couple spots, and then you know they were racing for the win. So um, it was, uh, like I said, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was it was fun battling with Justin there at the end. I think you know the everything with the uh, you know the restarts and whatnot are, can you know, they're so critical and. And chaotic. Um, yeah, and chaotic, yeah. And, and you know, I think um, I did fairly well. You know, Justin was able to get by me on that one, and hopefully ended up being the difference. But still, second was a great day for us, and, uh, you know, we're not going to hang our head too much. Sure. No, and, and, and you know, now you're qualified for the, the last dash for cash race here coming up this weekend at Dover. Uh, everything I've, I was able to do some research on, I, it doesn't look like you've turned a lap at Dover. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but, uh, you know, how do you get ready for a track that you either have zero or very little experience at and, and going out there and competing for that dash for cash? Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, I'm working on it and, uh, you know, as of right when we're, we're talking, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I believe I'm going to run the, the Arca East race on Friday, which will be a good, um, experience for me to, cool. to be able to get some laps before, before the extended race. But, um, you know, it's, it's been difficult. Um, you know, without practice, I think, you know, it's, it's, um, definitely it's it's hard on someone like me because i think we waste the beginning part of the race just kind of getting acclimated to the track and the the car and the track combo i think that that puts me a little bit behind some of uh, my competitors in that aspect but um you know our our RTA team and taylor they do a great job preparing the car and really we've had great cars on nearly every race and and you know they do a good job of of getting us close for for not having practice and you know, um, you know, I feel confident that Delver will be the same. Like I said, hopefully we can, you know, make all the laps in that in that ARCA race on Friday, and that that'll help, uh, you know, aid the start of our race on Saturday. That's great. No, that's cool. All right, now listen, what what's coming up for you after you know the the first half of the Xfinity series? Where where will we be able to still see you race throughout the summer? Yeah, so um, you know, right now we're playing on. Uh, running the late model stock, um, you know, throughout the summer and into the fall. And, um, we primarily base our schedule off the, the cars tour. That's a, that's a late model stock and a super late model tour that is based, based in their headquarters is in North Carolina. And we race all over North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina. Um, that's kind of what we base our schedule off of with our late model program. And then, um, you know, towards the, towards the fall, we'll, you know, be at, uh, you know, a couple of the big late model, st- late model stock shows like the, uh, the, you know, Martinsville 300 in October. So, um, you know, I'll be short track racing. I'm, you know, working on, working on trying to, to find some more opportunities, um, in between there to, 
you know, to stay in the top three series, but, you know, we'll just have to see how that all plays out. Absolutely. Well, I, I sure hope to see you running full-time competing for this championship here. That's for sure. Um, listen, uh, real quick, um, give a shout out sponsors where everyone can follow you on social media and all that good stuff. Yeah. Like I said, thank you again for having me. Um, you know, I've got, uh, pretty much all my social media is, is, is that Josh Berry with Twitter and Instagram and everything like that. And just, uh, just this whole uh, experience this year has been it's been so much fun. I'm so grateful for Dale and and LW Kelly, everybody at JRM for giving me an opportunity, and all our sponsors that that helped make that happen. Um, Tire Pros, they've been an exciting new partner of ours that that's really enjoyed having having me and my and my story. And and uh, you know we've had Chevrolet, Filter Time, um, Hendrick Motorsports obviously does a lot for for JRM helping it get us going and uh you know late model team um we have uh, all things automotive that's been a long sponsor sponsor of ours and and i racing's on the hood actually a bit as well so it's been a we've got a lot of great partners and you know this year really it's uh it's been uh, hard to believe um you know how well it's been going but it's definitely been a blast that's great man well listen i've had a blast thank you so much for being a part of the show this week i really appreciate it the lap traffic nation josh barry driving the number eight with jrm josh uh good luck this weekend look forward to having you back on the show sometime down the road man all right man thank you for having me thank you take care all right i'll see you Oh, Live Traffic Nation, that was Josh Berry from episode 239 earlier this year. And, hey, I mean, hey, it's a bonus. It's a, I want it to be a bonus show. It's the best of show. Uh, so we'll wrap it with that. Everybody, make sure you check out the website, thelabtrafficpodcast.com. Go follow on Twitter, at LabTrafficPC. Things have been crazy. I keep saying it the last, like, six weeks. Uh, and, and hopefully, when I get back in the saddle here, uh, we can get back to a little bit more routine. I can have a little bit stronger presence because I feel like I just haven't been there that much as of late. So uh, I got one more week of these things for you guys, and then we'll be back live. Well, not live, but sort of live uh, for episode 260. So don't get caught chasing the lucky dog. Make sure you tune in each and every week to the Lab Traffic Podcast. See ya.